Life is sweet. Let it sweep you off your feet. Hi, you're listening to Find Your Joy. If you're looking for ways to thrive rather than survive in a world that can seem rather chaotic, you're in the right place. We will be sharing stories of our own as well as those from guests who have found ways to bring hope, healing, and freedom into places where trauma has impacted them. I'm Allie, author of The Art of Healing Trauma, and I'm here to remind you that life is sweet. Now, let's dive in and find ways to create our joy. Hi, I'm Allie, and this is Find Your Joy, and oh, you are in for a treat today. We have a a, a true Canadian icon in the music industry, and I am thrilled, uh, thrilled to have him here today. Hank Lionheart has been playing blues for, well, since since before some of us, not me, but for some of us, some of the listeners <laughs> were even born. And, and we're going to get to share a little bit about that incredible journey with him today. Hank, my friend, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ali. I'm looking forward to conversing with you today. Oh, I am as well. Well, I was, you know, I was thinking about, I mean, I, I know because I've been around for a little while uh, and I've known a bit of your history, but you started, um, you've been playing blues since since blues first got rather popular um, back in the 60s, really, haven't you been? Am I, am I starting you too early? Well, no, I actually, uh, it's funny because I started in my first band in 1964. Wow. Like like all the other bands at the time, we did top 40. You know, right. we played uh, teen clubs and, and high school dances and, and that sort of thing. And I did that uh, from 64 right through uh, 1967, 68. Uh, and I, that was the time I was in, uh, I went to, uh, after high school, I went to art school in Seattle. And wow. I had, had a band there. And we did top 40 stuff. Not a lot of blues, but a lot of top 40 Rolling Stones, whatever, Beatles, whatever everybody was doing. And uh, then from there, I moved back to Edmonton and I joined another band and uh, they were a top 40 band. And then uh, I had a group of guys that I uh, worked with from, I'd say, probably 1970 uh, to about 1973. And then I uh, went out on the road and we were out on the road uh, and then uh, ended up, uh, you know, moving to... uh, uh, back to Edmonton uh, and left that band in 1974. When that kind of ended the uh, whole phase of the uh, top 40 scene to having done cabarets and wearing red Fortrell jumpsuits and all the rest. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I did that and uh, it was a great, great time. And it's funny because uh, uh, a couple of the guys that uh, were in that band actually live in Victoria now. So we still see each other and hang out. And, and oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, and a couple of them, unfortunately, have passed along. But uh, right. uh, when I got back to Edmonton in 1974, uh, a buddy of mine that had uh, seen me at some of the local cabarets we were playing at Edmonton in the day, uh, I got in touch with him. He said, where have you been? I said, I was on the road. I just got back. He said, well, do you want to come sing in the blues band? And, and you know, at that point, my only blues was Stormy Monday and maybe one or two other tunes. And I said, I'd lo- and I loved, I loved that. Right? It felt right to me to sing that stuff. So... I joined the band and the band was called Hot Cottage and uh, they were out of Edmonton. They're, they're very, very famous in, in Alberta. Uh, they did a, an album with uh, Big Walter and uh, 
they uh, I joined that band from '74 to '78, and and really uh, Steve Waddington, uh, the guitar player, he was a great singer in his own right. But he mentored me and got me hip to the blues, and then I never looked back. Mm. And after '78, uh, I moved back to Victoria because I had met Norm Piercy when I was on the road. Uh, we were playing in in Victoria at the Paint Cellar. I don't know if you remember that club, but it was in the Empress Hotel, right? Oh and wow, okay. The basement of the Empress Hotel. Uh, and this is about 1973 or so. And it was a, you know, six nights a week gig. And I mean, here I am living in the Empress Hotel for the whole month of July, overlooking the Inner Harbor and, and playing six nights a week. It was magic, right? Yes. Uh, I quit the band halfway through the gig. So I had to hustle around to all the music stores in Victoria. So I ended up at uh, Temple Trend, which is still here, and went on the board there and saw the name Norm Piercy. And, uh, got in touch with him and he came and joined our band and uh, within a week he was worked in and away we went right so he, he stayed in the band I guess I stayed with that band after he'd gone for about nine months but I'd been out on the road for about a year and a half and I was burned out so I quit and uh, he stayed on for a while longer but we we formed an instant uh friendship which uh still goes today we just had them over for dinner on the weekend oh, <laughs> so, oh that's wonderful on both of them and of course then when I moved back to Victoria he and I and Mark Comerford uh, uh, started Uncle Wiggly's Hot Shoes Blues Band. You know, oh. that, that was a whole thing in Victoria that we had. And uh, we just celebrated our 45th anniversary of that band this past year. Wow. At Herman's. And then we did, uh, we did a farewell tour because uh, a couple of the guys in the band are getting along in the tooth and arthritis and different things, hearing. So we just decided to uh, have a final farewell. But... I'm getting requests from some of the venues we're at to come back one more time. <laughs> so you never say never. But uh, at this point, uh, I'm just working uh, with my band called uh, The Blue Hearts with Mark Comerford. Yeah. A little duo and sometimes a trio. And we had Andy Graffiti in that band. He just moved to Edmonton. And uh, we have a stand-up bass player. And, and then I work uh, with uh, the uh, Smoking Hot Toasters, which is a band I had in Vancouver. And four of us in that band were also in the Kingpins, which uh, we've now folded. So uh, we're doing that. We're doing the R&B Toasters now. And it's a really great band. That's the band that's going to be doing the Christmas show, which you guys have to come to this year. Oh, I just, the Christmas show is, you know, it is so magical. It's, it's, the music is amazing. The, I mean, and you, you're such a, you're such a storyteller. I mean, I love how you, I mean, your voice and your, your stage presence is incredible, but you're such a storyteller as well. And it just, well, we brought our granddaughter a few years back the first time we went and I'm telling, I mean, it didn't matter how old a person was, if you'd ever heard the music before, it was magic. It was our, well, our granddaughter, in fact, I can't remember who your keyboard player was at the time. I think he was from Alberta. And probably right and she's just she went there's a couple of times she has said this to me and this was one of the times she looked at me and said nana if i keep practicing the piano will i be able to do that one day <laughs> i said absolutely <laughs> it's time in i mean this he's got a few years on you of practice <laughs> <laughs> well our lineup right now is the best we've had and uh we basically have the same lineup we had last year uh but but no we had uh Andy playing with us, but that uh, now we've uh, he's moved to Alberta, so we have Matt Peace now playing drums with us. Okay, so, but it's a great lineup. Uh, it's our best yet. We've got some new songs this year, and we're also going to have uh, 
a, a two-piece horn section with Paul Wainwright, of course, and uh, we have a special guest, Jerry Cook. On. Oh. Well, you know, and Jerry's uh, Jerry's well known uh, in the in the music circles in, in Vancouver, especially he's like a number one call sax player. He plays with Powder Blues. He plays with Colin James, and you name it. So it's going to be wonderful to have him in the show this year. And and we have our shows start on the uh, December the first. We're at the Osborne Bay in Crofton. Okay. And December second, we're at Herman's, and then December the eighth, we're at Frankie's Jazz Club in Vancouver. And then we come back to the island on uh, December the uh, 15th, and we're at uh, the Mary Winspear. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and and then our last show is uh, in Parksville at uh, the Knox United Church. I don't know if you've ever been to that venue. I it's haven't. Absolutely amazing. It's a beautiful church, and it's like a concert hall. It's got a huge, huge stage, and uh, they start their shows at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and they're... Uh, you know, they run till four o'clock, you know, two to four, four thirty. And it's fantastic. They get great crowds out and, pe and people love it. But anyway, going back to the music of the show, as you were talking about, you know, it took me a, a number of months to uh, collect all those tunes. I, I researched them, you know, and I, I had always uh, for I bet you for 30 years, I had wanted to do a blues Christmas show because I'd heard some of this material. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking on time, my, my youngest daughter is uh, 32, and there's 11 years between her and, and the next one. There was, she was kind of an oops. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about all the uh, school Christmas concerts I'd heard over the years, and I kind of had enough of Silent Night, you know. <laughs> so I thought there's got to be something different to do. You know, in a lot of bands, you hear them, at, at, and God bless them, they're out doing, doing Christmas shows, but a lot, most of them do traditional Christmas carols. Right. And, uh, I put the show together doing these wonderful tunes by these blues artists that a lot of people don't know. And that's the single biggest thing we get, Allie. It's when people come see the show, always when I'm out in the lobby signing CDs or whatever, you know, uh, people, you know, they, uh, you know, when I'm out there signing this CD, people always say, man, I never realized all that great Christmas music was out there, you know, so they bought yes. And stuff but it's uh it's it is like you say it's a magical show and it's magical for us to do we love doing it i look so forward to it every year and uh, we're in rehearsals right now just tuning everything up and uh you know we'll be ready to go next week but uh it's 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 just a great show and i hope that uh, people that haven't seen it come out i know we get a lot of people that repeat you know we've been doing it for uh in victoria now for over eight years you know maybe yeah. years here and i did it for a few years in alberta before i came out here so it's uh, it's just great. It is. And so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, this is, I, I was thinking, you know, people, I mean, you do what you do so exceptionally well. And, and there's so, where do you think, like, what's the part in it for you that gives you the most joy? I mean, you know, you love the music, you're a great storyteller, you draw people in, everybody, you know, everybody wants to be a part of what you're doing, because that's what you create when you're, but what what are some of the things that really pulled you into it? When did you decide this is this is what I want to be when I grow up? Well, it's the songs, and I'll, I'll tell you something. A lot of people and singers will tell you, well, they sing songs that they love. Mm -hmm. I truly believe the songs sing me, if you know oh. what I mean. Like you know, they they come alive in me somehow, and uh, each song has its own own thing about it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. With not just the way it's sung, but it's just the feeling it puts in your heart. Yes. And, you know, I just, I just love that so much. I just, 
love the feeling of of uh, you know singing the words and making it come to life, right? It's that's uh, it's, beautiful. It's the song amazing. sings you. That's that's um, I that I really connect with that. Yeah. I mean, we can all sing songs and we can sing them you know, whatever we can sing so we can sing a song. Right. But, but, but when something just resonates so deeply inside. Singer, right. And, and, you know, it's the one, the big thing I tell, I have a lot of young, young people come up to me and, you know, ask me what, how to get in the business and how, and about singing and stuff. And I said, the most important thing is choose material that suits your voice, suits mm-hmm. your range and start there. And it says, and then you'll find the ones that resonate with you. And those are the ones to go with, right? And it's mm. very, you know, they're the ones, I mean, I do some material that uh, I'd say in the Christmas show, there's probably 20% of the material that doesn't give me the same rush as the other 80% of the material does, but it's still good. Uh, right. I get, what I get off of those those songs, a lot of it is the rush of the band sounding so great, right? Yes. <laughs> and you know what that's all about too. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, I I have to say, I, I sit down and I, I listen to, Steve Cross, our guitar player, do a solo, and it just blows me away every time. It's just so fantastic. And, you know, and the horns and, and all of it. And our keyboard player, Stephen Ranta, he's he's an amazing, amazing player. And uh, it's just the whole thing is is magical. And plus, the other big benefit of this version of the band is we have really great harmonies because uh, the bass player, Mick Woodhouse, and Steve Cross, they're all excellent singers, you know, and Ranta. So we have nice three-part harmony, right? So it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's amazing. I I love to, like when I, you know, if we look over your uh, resume of, of 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 bands, you have stayed such good friends with all of these people. So when I, I can see that when you're watching the band, it's not um, uh, the great bands are people who just love what the other people are doing. Yeah. They really get the, get that somehow. And that sometimes that can be missed. Hard to believe that sometimes there's egos involved. I know you're shocked, but it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, I hear you. But when you love what the other person's doing, I love that you're saying that, that you're at that time, you're just watching the band and enjoying what they're doing. I mean, that's part of the joy of it. Well, it is. I mean, and the thing is, you know, I mean, Let's face it, am I not my age? I'm 76 years old now, right? Wow, yeah. Moments that uh, I forget things or I might start not start right on on a certain thing. But, you know, I've been playing with these guys so long, they don't rag on me about it. We just press on, right? Yes, yes, just keep going. Uh, and it's uh, somehow it's just all, it, it's, it really is a great experience. And or Mark and I go back some 45 years and, uh, and, you know, I have the same feeling with him. We know each other so well. And, you know, we do uh, the Blue Hearts, which is, uh, it's more uh, folk finger-picking style blues. And it's real old-timey stuff from the 20s and 30s, right? Oh. It's not, And we do some Uncle Wiggly tunes in there as well. But mainly it's all these folk blues and a lot of stuff that we write. Mark's a really prolific songwriter. And, uh, you know, he writes a lot of the stuff. I write some lyrics, of course. And even in the Christmas show, we have some original stuff, too. Steve Cross just wrote a, wrote a wonderful Christmas tune for this year, so I'm looking forward to doing that. But, but you know, so original music has always been a big part of what I've done as well. You know, after I uh, finished the, uh, you know, the uh, Fortrell jumpsuit era of uh, Top 40, you know. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really uh, a neat thing to be able to do your own stuff and, and have people relate to it, right? You know, mm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it really means a lot. 
So, so when you're like early on, um, what are, what are some of the, the memories you have or the people that have really impacted you in your career? Because when you're, you're talking, okay, so 70, you're 76, um, going strong still. So, I mean, you're talking, my gosh, you've been doing this 55, 60 years now. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when I first started out in Seattle, I was going to art school, of course, and we had a house gig at this uh, club called The Door downtown Seattle. And we played uh, every Friday and Saturday night from uh, now. You ready for this? We played from eight till two thirty in the morning. <laughs> Back <laughs> oh, in the day. <laughs> we had to... <laughs> and it was a coffee house, you know, but it was uh, and the, the, the crazy thing is it was packed. Uh, be, with all the people from art school would come down, right? So it was it was right. major major fun, but uh, you know I that that was uh, a whole thing. But you know it, it's like bands. One thing about bands, and, and you know you 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 uh, played in enough bands and groups. It's a lot of work uh, finding work, and it's mm-hmm. getting you know it's really tough now for to find work for a full band. And you know we got a six seven piece band, so. You know, we work when we can, but it's not as, you know, it's a lot easier to book the duo and the trio. But, right. you know, a lot of the clubs, you know, I mean, uh, looking back in the heyday when, when uh, we had Uncle Wiggly's in the early days, uh, you know, we were uh, signed to RCA Records and it was like a, a license to print money. We, we were the band that, that got a ton of uh, opening shows at the Commodore. We opened for Muddy Waters for three shows. Uh, we opened for Joe Cocker for three shows. Oh, my gosh. And we opened for, you know, uh, uh, John Mayle and uh, Coco Taylor and on and on and on. And it was, they were wonderful experiences, you know. And I, and, uh, I have, uh, you know, listening back to some of the tapes from those things. So you you had opened for, back in the day at the Commodore Ballroom, you'd opened for, to start. let's start there. We were very fortunate because we were on RCA at the time and, uh, we got hooked up, uh, you know, with Periscope, and they loved our band. And we we were over there several times, and uh, we used to go in there. And I remember, I'll t- I'll tell you a couple of funny stories. Uh, number one, when we went in there, uh, you know, uh, for Muddy Waters, uh, he was just a fantastic guy, and uh, you know, the same thing you get backstage at the Commodore. We played there several times with other people before, and uh, you know, they'd always tell you, well, you know, Muddy doesn't want you in his. Uh, you know, his dressing room area and stuff. So avoid that. Of course, you know, first thing you do is we're in there and he comes in and introduces himself to you and invites us in. So, oh, that's you know, awesome. Three nights we got to sit with him. And you know what the sad thing about it, Allie, is that it wasn't like today where you have cell phones. I had, nobody had a camera, so I, I never got any photographs of any of it, right? It's all right. In, and it's all vivid in my mind, of course. But uh, we do have the tapes from the Commodore from those things. It was great. And then a really funny thing, uh, we'd been to the Commodore several times, you know, you go up the back stairs and into the room and uh, uh, we go up when we're going to open for Joe Cocker. So uh, we get up there and uh, the guy stops me right right at the entrance. He says, excuse me, who are you? I said, I'm Uncle Wiggly. He says, Uncle Wiggly? I said, yeah, from Uncle Wiggly's Hot Shoes Blues Band. He says, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're the opening act. He says, oh, Joe Cocker doesn't want any opening act in his uh, dressing room. And the words were still ringing in the air, and I heard this English voice about four feet behind him. He says, excuse me, comes over. Who are you? I said, I'm Uncle Wiggly. He says, oh, Joe Cocker, pleased to meet you. Come on in. Oh. <laughs> so it was fantastic. So we go in, and uh, the first night, Joe came and caught our last song. The second night, he caught half our set. The last night, he caught our whole set and pushed us out for an encore. 
And after we come off, like he he was amazing. He was so amazing live and just an amazing, nice man. Spent lots of time chatting with him. So anyway, he's wearing this little blue T-shirt. I should have brought it out of the drawer. Kim has it now because it fits her. It shrunk so much, but it, it said Rainbow Ballroom, Colorado. Just something he picked up, obviously, at one of the venues he did. And he's just dripping in sweat. And I had this um, beautiful linen uh, white Hawaiian shirt with embroidery on it said Flamingo Joe and I could tell he was looking at it he quite liked it so after that he was done about five encores he comes over I come over Joe 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 comes over I says trade me shirts he's oh mate he said I couldn't do that he said you catch your death in the morning this I'm soaking I said Joe you don't understand I need to soak up all that soul <laughs> so he gives me his shirt and it's about 10 sizes so I squeeze it on and I'm walking around his shirt just loving it and he's wearing this big way too big shirt oh, <laughs> but oh pretty, i love that but you know and then and then the story goes a little bit further he uh he actually uh wore the shirt on uh on uh the johnny carson show or one of the tonight show or something actually had that shirt on one night right <laughs> oh my gosh but anyway that, that was uh you know that that's one of the highlights of uh of all time of of you know things that happened to you and and uh you know getting to meet these people and, and play with them I and mean, we were we were we were pretty thrilled and you know and plus our album did for pretty well i mean i think we got close to thirty five thousand sales in wow Canada. it was you know only fifteen thousand short of a gold record so we were fairly fairly well and uh you know it was it was a really great run and uh we had a wonderful time like when we get together with that band we still it, it's amazing how it comes back and it's amazing how many people still remember the band right Right. You know, we play, they come out, you know, and, and people say, Oh, I saw you at, at Harpo's, you know, I remember being, you know, or saw you there, saw you here. And, uh, you know, back in the day, I mean, we, when we, when I first moved to Victoria, there was really only one or two places to play. And, and yeah. I, I, I've always been a hustler. So I was out hustling gigs. And I opened up rooms, I opened up the Red Lion, got them to have blues. Uh, the sub pub at the university was only doing rock. I got them to do blues. And it was fantastic because we play out at the sub pub. And all the young kids would come out with their fedoras and skinny ties and just boogie, right? It was so great, you know, so great. And, of course, we did Harpo's and, you know, and we did everywhere. You name it. We were up up the island, down the island, out in Souk. One night we did this show on uh, Capital Cable TV. And uh, we finished the show, finished the taping, and, and it was about, uh, oh, maybe 9.30. So it was right by the, the old King John Inn on, uh, I don't know if you remember that, was up on uh, Old Island Highway. Anyway, the King John's, it was up there. And uh, we went in for a, a beer and a pizza after after the thing. So we're sitting there and and I see there's a stage, right? And so I go to, to the guy, I says, the manager here, and he was serving drinks, right? I said, man, I said, uh, you have music in here? He said, yeah, country. And I said, oh, you ever considered a blues band? He said, no. He said, but I might like to try that. And I said, you want to try it now? He said, what do you mean now? I said, we got all our gear and stuff. We'll come in and do a set so you can hear us. He said, well, what do you want for that? And I said, pizza and beer. So we came in and did a set. And I swear to God, we were in that in that room once a month for the next six months. And all of a sudden, all the other blues bands in town started playing there, right? So, I mean, that was kind of, and that was the beauty of that band. Like, they were open to anything. Okay, yeah, let's go. Let's do it, right? You know, some bands are, oh, I'm not, I'm not playing for pizza and beer, you know. But uh, they were they were more than willing to uh, do whatever it took. And, right. you know, like I used to say to them, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to, you know, eat one to make one type of thing, right? So you just, you know, you just uh, give it away sometimes. It's like, they couldn't understand why I would, 
you know, go through, uh, you know, 50 or 60 CDs in a month. And I said, well, I'm sending them out to venues. I said, it's a $20 investment to get a, you know, a five, $600 gig. Yes. Do you, your mind? Oh, okay. Now I, then they got it. Right. right. But, uh, you know, you have to do that type of thing. So, uh, you know, there's a lot just in the promotion of a band that, uh, goes on. And, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have little Kim. She's, she's like, an immense help to me. Like she does all a lot of, uh, you know, sending stuff out and, and making sure that things happen. She, uh, takes care of the websites and, and like, she's the techie in the family, right? And, <laughs> Everybody and, needs one. Yeah. She's support for, for what I do. And, you know, and we both are, are uh, she's also a fabulous artisan herself and makes uh, wonderful, wonderful jewelry. So, you know, we have a little creative uh, thing happening in the family here, which is pretty cool. You know, my uh, paintings, of course, and uh, and I've, uh, you know, that harkens back to my days. Like after I, I used to paint a lot in art school when I was first going. And, you know, I, I uh, enjoyed it and took the painting classes and stuff along with the commercial art end of it. And I ended up... Uh, being an art director and you know one of the biggest agencies in Canada and I was had an art career for 45 years uh worked up to a creative director and you know the latter part of my art career I was mainly producing tv commercials and radio spots and that type of thing but uh once I uh finished all of that uh actually I just met Kim and we were at a Montana's you know one of those um places that they put the brown paper and the crayons on the table. Yeah. And the moose. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're sitting in Montana's and they put the crayons on the brown paper. Well, I did a sketch of her like in a minute, right? She says, you're an artist. I said, yeah. She said, well, you really should be painting again. You know? So she kind of convinced me and I did one and then boom, it just took off from there. And, and uh, I've done, uh, I think, you know, I especially started doing a lot when COVID started and I've probably done 70 some odd paintings and sold over 60 of them, you know? So, so it's been, uh, some nice income as well, but, uh, yes. And that's the key right there. I, I, you've done over 70 paintings and you sold 60 of them because yeah. lots of people could do paintings, but yeah. you're selling them. And I'm going to, so, so, um, the podcast that we do part of it, some of it is, uh, done by video. So people yep. will be able to see, um, uh, and a lot of people will be listening, but for those of us who are watching, I'm guessing Hank that right behind you, up there, I yeah. can see. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's little Walter. Yes. <laughs> so when you're talking that you're 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 painting, we're we're talking incredible. Now, you may do other things. I mostly know of um, what I'm going to call maybe wrongly so. So please feel free to correct me. Um, sort of a series of portraits of the blues greats. Totally. And uh, that's, I mean, I have done, I've done, uh, um, you know, I've done other things. I've done like uh, uh, pets for a couple of people. I did uh, summer, uh, you know, summer. Yeah. Did her uh, wiener dog, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I've done, uh, you know, a few other things I've done. Uh, somebody, uh, one lady uh, wanted to have a, uh, a bunny rabbit done. So I did a, you know, a three by four foot bunny rabbit. Uh, so, I mean, I do other things as well, but I started doing, I thought, well, I'd tie my love of the blues into my painting. And so that's why I started the Legends of the Blues. And that's mainly what I do, you know, and I, I've done uh, so many of them. And, you know, some of them I've done more than one, like I've done a few BB Kings and uh, a few Janis Joplins and, uh, you know, a few uh, Billie Holidays, but mainly a, it's somebody different every time. Right. Right. And, and, and uh, there's still so many artists to do. 
And uh, so, you know, I, I continue to do that. And uh, as I say, I'm, I'm just in the middle of one right now uh, that I'm doing for a fella in, uh, in um, Tacoma. And he has nine of my paintings he's bought. So, like, I've got people that collect them, right? I've got a few people like that that have a number of my paintings, right? So, you know, it's, uh, and he's a jazz guy, so I've done a bunch of jazz artists for him. And so it just depends, you know, I put the, usually when I finish one, I put them up and, uh, you know, I always get some positive comments and then usually there's always one or two people phone me to see how much for a painting. Right. And I, you know, and, the, and a lot of them can't afford it. You know, my paintings, the smaller ones are around 600 up to about 1,500, 2,000 for the big ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most people, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's out of their price range. Right. But, certain points I've had them come back and say, Hey, I've got the dough together. Let's uh, do that painting. Right. So, you know, uh, people appreciate, I mean, you got, you know, you paint yourself and the thing is you put the time in on it and, and with the, with the supplies that you uh, have to get alone, like the canvases aren't cheap anymore. You know, they're 50 bucks a canvas for the gallery ones. And, and then you put uh, the hours into it. You're lucky if, you know, if you sell a, a painting for $800, you're lucky if you make $10 an hour. Yes. You know, Definitely. And of course, everything that I've done is for um, more. My whole thing has been more about recovery, whereas you have like everything you've done. You studied this. You've mastered this. Uh, I got into it as a recovery for brain injury. And I've sort of and that's the way I do it. So when I do painting with people now, it's more about processing and healing. So I that's that's kind of the way that I've gone for it. When I look at yours, I mean, it's almost like looking at a photograph. (laughs) <laughs> like honestly, like it's like a caricaturized photograph. It's your your detail is so it, it's just incredible to me that that anybody could paint something that looks like a picture. I have some dogs too once in a while that I do. <laughs> 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 uh, like, We've all sang a sour note here and there. <laughs> you do uh, with music and with art. It's uh, for me. It's medicinal in a lot yes. of ways. It, it uh, is good for your soul. And, uh, you know, I'm 76 years old. And unfortunately, I never smoked my whole life. So my voice still holds up and it's still pretty strong. Um, you know, my my knees are I'm actually I'm going on uh, next Monday to rebalance to see if they're going to do a knee replacement because I've had problems with my knees with arthritis. And, you know, uh, there's a number of things that go on as you move along. But um Music makes me feel good. Uh, painting, I, I, you know, I get, I get feel a good feeling when it's all done, and and doing it, it's, it's relaxing. So I mean, it's the best of both things. You know, I sit in the studio and do something. I, I'm not as, you know, I go through stages, and I know uh, sometimes little Kim, Kim has to give me a kick in the pants to get going on my paintings, right? <laughs> but but uh, you know, once I get rolling, I I, I start to do that, but. It's it's the same thing as you. I mean, it's uh, it it's medicinal. It does yes. does cool things for your soul, and it just makes your focus uh, go away from everything into just doing that. Yes, it just comes thing. down. It just yeah. right there, and everything's just right at that spot. That's right, and you know, and, and uh, music's the same way, really. I mean, when you would mm-hmm. think about it, uh, you're going, and there you are in that song, right? And uh, whatever's happening, and whatever you're doing in there, so. Yeah, so between the two things, um, I'm I'm a pretty lucky person. I, I remember when I was growing up uh, in Stetler with my I had a sister who was uh, unfortunately she's passed away now, but 
uh, she was 11 months older than me and we'd come home from school and, and uh, in grade four, I won a scholarship to the Bath School of Fine Arts, right? Uh, wow. For a drawing that I did. And uh, anyway, so, um, and, and it turned out that, that my grade four teacher entered it and it was only for grade seven to 12. So, and I ended up somehow winning. So, uh, because I wasn't old enough to take the scholarship, they gave me a bursary, right? They gave me a, a money. But anyway, it, it sort of got my dad to thinking, geez, you know, maybe there's some kind of a career here. And so he researched and found out about commercial art and stuff and headed me in that direction. And in grade 12, he uh, sent me off to Edmonton so I could take art half days and, you know, vocational school and then go to art school in the States. But, uh, the crazy thing is my sister would come home from school, you know, and this is in about grade seven or eight or whatever. And my dad would take her report card. He'd look at, ah, yeah, yeah. A plus B, B plus C. Ah, very, very good. Very good. And then he'd take my report. He'd go, thank God you can draw. And that was him. Did your dad, uh, I, sorry, I don't know much about the, this. Did your folks live long enough to see you do so well with your art and your, uh, like, all, all art and music included? As long as, as uh, they should have. They both were heavy, heavy smokers. Uh, yeah, they both died of cancer within five months of each other at 67. But they did see, uh, you know, they saw a lot of my paintings. They had my paintings in their house, and, and they saw my bands play a few times over the years. Uh but uh, sadly, they, they left far too early, you know, and, and things. My mother was uh, <clears throat> Scottish from Glasgow, and she was uh, in uh, British Broadway as a dancer, right? Chorus dancer and stuff. So, you know, so that's kind of related musically somehow. Absolutely. Uh, she was a wonderful singer as well. As, well my uncles and her so were all good singers. And, and my dad, uh, he was a farmer, but when he married my mom, I was, uh, uh, when my mom left my, my birth father, uh, I was five or six years old, I guess, and then uh, she remarried my my stepfather, uh, Len Hart, uh, who, when I was eight years old, but then he raised me. He was my dad. He was a great guy, but uh, he uh, went from being a farmer to buying the drive-in theater in Stettler, right? So I grew up with, uh, you know, that my whole life, and that was a whole trip itself, and it's like I always tell the people, hey, you know, I'm in show business, but I've always been in show business my whole life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and there's something to that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that was, you know, it was uh, it was a real trip to, uh, you know, to be involved with the driving theater. Of course, I had to pick up papers and do all that stuff, you know, when I was a kid. And, and then I work on the snack bar and that type of thing. But uh, it was great. The only thing I, my dad wanted me to do is he wanted to learn me, uh, wanted me to learn how to be a projectionist, right? Okay. Uh, I thought there's no way I'm doing that. I'll never get out of here. I'll be here every night. I said, no, not for me. So I was able to convince him that it wasn't my trip. <laughs> but yeah, and that was in Stetler, Alberta. That's where I grew up, right? Small town, Alberta. But uh, yeah, it was good. Wow. Thank you so much for coming out and spending time with us today and learning a little bit more about some fabulous blues music and some art with Hank Lionheart. It's Ali. Thanks again and take good care and do know that you are loved. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you found a piece of your joy in this episode, I would love to hear about what came up for you 
so that we can continue to grow the impact of this show. Thanks again. See you soon. And remember, find your joy. 